Hello and welcome to the Amnesty International podcast for June 2007. For more on any of the stories that follow or on Amnesty International's work in general, please visit www.amnesty.org. This month we're talking about music and the internet. 30 of the world's biggest recording artists have given of their time and talent to record tracks highlighting Amnesty International's work. Each track is a cover of a John Lennon classic, reworked for today. We'll also be looking at why the internet is under threat, with repression and censorship spreading, and hearing from LastMinute.com founder Martha Lane Fox as to why it's worth protecting. Black Eyed Peas, with their version of Power to the People, just one of more than 30 international artists to have recorded songs for the Make Some Noise campaign. There's also U2, R.E.M., Green Day, Snow Patrol and Lenny Kravitz. Music publishing royalties have been donated to Amnesty International by John Lennon's widow, Yoko Ono. Make some noise as a double entendre. It's to make statements, but also to make music. <laughs> so I love that. If you want to be a hero, well, just follow me. Green Day covering John Lennon's Working Class Hero as part of the Make Some Noise campaign. 38 tracks in total are available now through iTunes and on a double CD. June marked the one-year anniversary of the Amnesty International Irrepressible.info campaign, backed by the Observer newspaper. The campaign's promoting freedom of expression online and highlights how some big corporations have been complicit in suppressing these freedoms. To mark the event, contributors from around the world joined a webcast to discuss some of the major issues affecting the development of the internet. The OpenNet Initiative is a collaboration between the universities of Cambridge, Harvard, Oxford and Toronto, established to document patterns of internet censorship and surveillance worldwide. Ron Debert is the co-founder and is certain there's been a global increase in state repression of the internet. Without doubt, the scope, scale and sophistication of internet content filtering and surveillance practices are growing worldwide. Just to give you some indication, when we started our research in 2002, there were really only three, maybe four countries that were known to engage in internet content filtering. In our research last year and earlier this year, we found evidence of filtering in 25 of the 41 countries that we tested in. And of course, there could be other countries not included in our testing that are filtering as well. Internet censorship practices are also growing in terms of sophistication and can be indicated in a number of different ways. 
Now they're blocking access to a much wider swath of information, human rights information, like Amnesty International sites or Human Rights Watch sites, independent media and news sites, opposition websites, ethnic minority and independence movements and secessionist movements. They're targeting blogs and blogging services. For example, we found that in Pakistan, all of Blogspot, the entire blogging service, is blocked in its entirety. The human cost of internet repression is real people around the world being imprisoned and tortured because they're saying things online that governments don't like. Sina Motalebi is a former Iranian blogger who was arrested and imprisoned and suffered psychologically from his time in jail. I was arrested and I spent 23 days in solitary cell. I spent most of the time blindfolded under very severe psychological pressures and I don't know, maybe I was too weak, but uh, after three weeks in prison, I, I lost my psychological stability. I, I heard un, uh, unreal voices and I had these conflicting ideas and illusions in my head. Sometimes in, in the cell, I was interrogating myself inside my head, you know, and then my conscience came back and I said, okay, no, this is not true. This is what uh, interrogators want me to believe. Sina remains unsure about the exact reason for his arrest, but has a suspicion it was for a particular section of his blog. I have written in my weblog that blogging is a free way for expressing the, your views and beliefs without any cost, without any need to technical knowledge or financial power or things like that. And he told me that we want to prove that you are wrong. There are several costs, there are very high costs in blogging. And we want to make you an example of that. So, yes, we cannot go and trace every single blogger who criticizes our government, but we can scare them out. There are growing fears for the internet as a forum for information and free speech. Ron Debert certainly thinks it's increasingly under threat. I think what's happening now is that states are actively intervening in the internet environment. It's being carved up, colonized and militarized. And as a result of that, the architecture of the Internet is going to change unless citizens who want to preserve and protect it as a forum for access to information and freedom of speech take concerted efforts. Certainly there are high-profile people who believe the Internet is worth protecting. Martha Lane Fox is co-founder of the online travel service LastMinute.com. I find it extraordinary that just today I can sit down at my computer, open it up, read all the news that I want to online. I can see blogs, I can see broadsheets, I can see Google alerts, I can get all of this information delivered in the way that I would like it. I can then go and do all my shopping, as you can see with a stick, it's not easy to be in shops, so I do all my grocery shopping, all my pharmaceutical shopping, everything. Then I looked at my godson on YouTube dancing. This is all absolutely real. I thought, I must tell you this because it still continues to astonish me. Then I signed up a campaign that my father had sent me to keep classics alive in schools, which is a subject he's very close to and what I studied myself. And then I sat back and I thought, you know, that's really all I maybe need to tell you, that I, one person, can do all those things in the space of a few hours and have my life completely transformed, quite apart from the fact that I feel like I have benefit from the web in a way that you know, many, many, many people would never have imagined possible, both financially and professionally and so on. But just the daily impact still continues to astound me. 
And if for no other reason, that is something worth protecting. Of course, freedom of expression and all of the other important human rights issues should be layered on top of that. But at the very basic level, I feel so honoured to have had that and those technologies in my life. And that's something that I think we should all be optimistic about and we should all continue to battle for for everybody around the world. Maintaining this vision of the internet will, as Ron Debert says, require concerted effort. We need to make people aware that what happens to their information when they make a request for a website or when they send an email is not something magical. It just doesn't fire off into the ether. It travels down physical lines through routers and choke points all along the line that provide opportunities for authorities to intervene, to intercept and monitor communications. And I think this is where efforts like what Amnesty International is doing with its irrepressible information campaign is so important. We need to make citizens aware that we can't take the internet for granted, that we need to actively preserve it as an open forum of global communications. Thank you for listening. To find out more about these and other Amnesty International campaigns, please visit www.amnesty.org.